0: You're listening to Advancing Our Church.
1: We're just in the middle of a recalibration of how parishes are organized and how they run and how they grow.
2: Not preaching about money out of need, uh, but preaching about it as a step of discipleship. And so we spoke about, you know, serving as one one way that we're asking, you know, to get on the discipleship path. But giving is, a, is another uh, part of that.
1: We're a scrappy startup. And scrappy startups aren't very well organized, or they're not very neat. Uh, They're kind of, you know, scrappy.
0: Hello, and welcome to Advancing Our Church. I'm Jim Friend. This is Episode 2. Can you believe it, everybody? We made it to Episode 2 already. We are a Catholic stewardship and advancement podcast dedicated to promoting the missionary spirit of the Catholic Church in the world today. And uh, I just want to thank everybody. It has been a great week. We're so grateful for all of your prayers and support and your great comments and those of you who retweeted us and posted a comment on our Facebook group page. Uh, it's just been a very affirming week, so thank you for your support, and I'm looking for your ideas on upcoming episodes. So uh, to get in touch with us, visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. You can send us an email at jim@advancingourchurch.com. at You can follow us on Twitter at Advance Podcast, or you can join our Facebook group. So uh Please do one or all of those things. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play uh, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. Okay, Uh, with that in mind, uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your good wishes. And now let's get to work. So this is not only episode two, but it is part two of our two-part episode discussing Church of the Nativity, which was the subject of a book called Rebuilt back in 2013, and it was written by Father Michael White and Tom Corcoran, who discussed their parish's journey from bringing their parishioners to being consumers, To being more fully engaged in evangelizers, reaching out to the lost in their community. And it really is a vibrant place, and the book is a very easy read. So I would suggest that you that you pick it up if you haven't done so already and go back and listen to part one of this episode where we interviewed some of their really excited parishioners uh, who are fully engaged in the life of the parish and in their different ministries. It's just a phenomenal place. To visit you can just feel the energy you know when you're sitting there at mass or when you're walking through the halls uh, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that today we're gonna go back to my two-part interview with Father White uh, and Brandon Holland, who's the director of finances and we're gonna talk about uh, the culture of change that has been so prevalent and part of their of their ministry and uh, their plan to uh, to create a more vibrant community Brandon's gonna talk a little bit about stewardship as will Father White. And they'll talk about you know what they look for in people who join their team uh, in this culture of change. And um, and we'll finish up a little bit on Father White's uh, thoughts on, on what's next and moving forward. So thank you, uh, without further ado, here is Father White and Brandon. So if you, you were in this process about 15 years, uh, how has mass attendance? Obviously, it's grown dramatically over the 15 years. What was it at the beginning? What is it now? It, was a, it
1: would average about 1,200 on a, on a weekend, so it wasn't a small parish. No. To begin with, it was uh, a fairly uh, healthy-sized parish for uh, our diocese for this part of our state. Um, we're about 4,000 in weekend attendance now. Mm-hmm. Um, like any church, we have our seasons uh, sort of Labor Labor Day to Mother's Day, we call our season when you can expect the larger crowds. This time of year, Lent, you expect larger crowds. But typically, a good weekend for us
0: is about four thousand. As you have gone through this process of growing and evolving the church, um, I would imagine putting leaders in place has been a, a key a key to your growing the ministries. How do you um, How do you determine? when you're talking with somebody about a position here at Nativity, that you think you have the right fit? Because you, you obviously have a, a growth culture, a growth mentality, you're a little about thinking a little bit out of the box, I would imagine. How do you know you have the right fit for a member of your key staff? Well, uh, we can talk about uh, the combination of uh,
1: competency, uh, chemistry, and culture. If we could check off those three boxes and say this person has the right stuff to fill the role in terms of his resume, um, but this person also clicks with me, which isn't the number one priority, but it's certainly a priority um, that that person would click with our staff. And that goes to the question of culture and is it culturally a fit. Uh, we've been uh, currently interviewing for a couple of, of positions and, and I know that in, in one instance there was a candidate who seemed to fit the first two criteria and when it came to the culture it was just like, eh, it's not a fit, much mm-hmm. as you want it to be a fit. And I think that that's a common mistake in staffing, whether it's church or otherwise, is that sometimes you want it so badly, you, you you want the person or you you want the fit or you just want to be done with the problem, that you kind of force it. And that never works
2: out. I would also add that I think that something that uh, Father White and Tom have done a, a great job <clears throat> at doing is, is finding people who not only are competent for the positions that they're filling, but just have a, a passion for um, this church and, and passion for growing this church, and they're all in. And you know, I'll give myself as an example. I came on staff here as a, a finance uh, director, and I'm competent in that area. But I'm continually looking to push the envelope in other areas too. And how else can I help the parish? And I, I'm not alone in that. I can look at every single person on our staff, and, and the culture here is you never say that's not my job. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that that is. You know, I, I think that everybody here pitches in in any way they can and they bring their gifts and talents to the table, not only in their own competency, and their own position, but anywhere they can help. Uh, I think that's very important. Can you tell me a little bit about your role in the, in the parish? So I am the finance director, uh, so I um, help oversee the day-to-day finances operationally of the parish. I also, um, and right now, since we're in the middle of a capital campaign, I have a, you know, a keen eye on you know, where we are in our fundraising efforts. I also lend a hand at, um, I, I originally come from an IT background, so I um, also help out in areas such as database management and website development and anywhere where I can help, um, but my primary role is, is that of the finance. It's crazy.
1: And it's pretty critical right now because we, in the middle of this construction project, we're spending how much a day?
2: I'll, I'll, we just wrote a check for over a million dollars. <laughs> <for laughs> we're spending right, 10. So. ten Tens of thousands of dollars every <laughs> okay. single day. Yeah, yeah Some days a lot more than
1: that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff flying around <laughs> here in terms in terms of,
2: of finances. Very critical to see the arc of the the scope of the project and where the funds will be uh, outlaid but then also you know pledges, pledge redemptions, and trying to balance that. And, uh, I've you know. I've kind of
1: uh, been interested in capital campaigns and building campaigns in parishes for a long time now. I sat on the building commission for the Archdiocese of Baltimore and kind of developed a, an eye and an interest in it. And it's amazing how easy parishes can get messed up at various stages uh, of the campaign from not being able to, you know, get going because they can they, they can't clearly articulate communicate what it is they want to do and get people on board with that. To this stage of the process, where their spending uh, outpaces their available funds, uh,
0: so it's uh, a daunting. <laughs> project. <laughs> How much uh, have you raised to date for the campaign?
2: Uh, we are just north of 12 million in redemptions for the for the building, and still still have. Uh, Still have some more to do, some mm-hmm. more work to do. Okay. Uh, the total scope of the project is 15 million, so we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but working on it. <laughs> it's
1: wonderful, though. We're gonna we're gonna launch a, another, um, and this will come as new, as news to some people, but we're gonna launch another uh, round of fundraising this spring
0: and try to close that gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even finish this project with no debt. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. Tell me a little bit about stewardship here uh, at Nativity and how uh, how has it evolved over the last uh, few years.
1: Well, I can talk about how it's evolved, and you can talk about what it is. Yeah. Um, we started out as in everything, just a, a very typical parish approach to stewardship. There was none. No, uh, we uh, didn't understand. Uh, people's giving patterns Uh, we didn't have any uh, firm grasp on what our real financial picture was and what our potential was, Uh, we were just kind of wandering in the dark and when we wanted something there had been a long standing custom here before our time that when the pastor wanted something he would just get up and tell people I want new vestments I want you know whatever. And people inevitably, somebody would would come forward and give him the check for it. And then he'd put their name on something. You know, so um, I just continued that because I thought that's the way you do it. I don't really know anything else. Um, when it came to the operations, that was a little trickier. I, I didn't know exactly how, how to advance that. I remember um, I used to sometimes put in the bulletin all of our expenses as a way of communicating to people. You know, we have bills to pay, folks, and we're not cutting it. Uh, but that wasn't very popular. People didn't really enjoy that. It doesn't, um, inspire. It doesn't inspire. Doesn't right. inspire. And as one lady said, "Look, Father, we all have our bills. You know, <laughs> you got your bills, and I got mine. So uh, we weren't winning any hearts on that." Um, And I I think we wandered around in the dark for years on it. And it it wasn't until uh, we um, disciplined ourselves, because it is a discipline, we disciplined ourselves to a consistent approach, and we stuck with it through thick and through thin that we got to the place where we are now, which is a very healthy place, I think.
2: You know, a a lot of uh, my experience with... Uh, the parish in in terms of how it speaks about money has been from the pew, not as a, a member of staff. And I would say that um, you know the the approach that they developed of not preaching about money as if they need, you know a- out of need, uh, but preaching about it as a step of discipleship. And so we spoke about, you know serving as one one way that we're asking, you know, to get on the discipleship path, but giving is, a, is another uh, part of that. And so um, speaking about money, uh, the, the message from the pulpit from as far back as I can remember has been about the, what Nativity calls the four Ps of giving. Um, so the first P is plan. Make your giving planned. Uh, plan on what you are going to give in the next year to the church. And uh, make that plan a priority in your budget. Uh, the third P is picking a percentage of your income to give away, uh, knowing the biblical standard is the tithe uh, but we all know that the tithe is, uh, is out of reach for a lot of people in today's culture especially and so uh, pick a percentage, any percentage 1%, 2%, a tenth of 1% the point is, is to pick a percentage that you can plan to give away and then over time over the period of several years grow that percentage over time knowing, again, that the biblical standard is the tithe. And so uh, that's been the message about money that I've heard from the, the pew from, you know, as soon as I started coming to nativity. Um, I know the nativity. And did you start as a parishioner, and then how long have you been in your position now? So I am going on three years in my position as finance director, but I've been in the parish for about 12 years. And um, been hearing that consistent message over time has definitely helped in growing my own giving. and yeah, so that's. that's I, I would say one other one other thing um, that has been helpful in the terms of you know donor exhaustion. You know, uh, so many other parishes that I've been to, they they preach about giving to the local parish all the time. You know, it's it's mostly out of uh, need, uh, but they talk about it all the time. Something that Nativity's done from as far back as I can remember is is talk about giving to this local parish one time a year, one weekend a year, uh, and. And we refer to that as Stewardship Sunday, which is always the weekend right before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And it's your plan for giving to this parish in the next year, in the year ahead, starting in January. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, has helped delay uh, donor exhaustion. They know that we're only talking about it once a year, and so that's been a good strategy. And do you reinforce it then throughout the year? We will
1: refer to it whenever uh, we will speak about money as often as it comes up in the lectionary which is quite often because it was one of Jesus favorite topics Um, and in the context of of those references we'll return to some of the principles but we're not nagging them for money we're not asking them for anything at that point we're just teaching principles as we go through the year we do not as Brandon said have uh, a lot of fundraisers, as in none at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a remarkably different uh, uh, approach for a Catholic parish. Uh, I was looking at somebody's bulletin, I happened to be in somebody else's church last week and I was looking at their bulletin and all but one of the announcements in the bulletin were fundraisers. And it's like, really? Which, Which one do you want me to do? You know, the bake sale for the ladies club, or the Knights of Columbus Titsney Roll drive, or do you want me to give to the school, or... I'm confused as a donor what you want me to do. I remember one time, uh, back when we used to do a lot of that ourselves, a guy came in and he had a $20 bill, and he just said, here it is, Father, here's what I'm going to give you this week. You divide it up any way you want in as many collections as you want to take, but I'm giving you 20 bucks. <laughs> so, I think when when yeah. we treat the parishioners with respect regarding this, then they more respectfully receive
0: our message. I agree. How do you um, how do you get others engaged in that? Is it a? Uh, it must be part of a larger process. I mean, you're doing your ministry fair this Sunday. Um, you're engaged in a campaign. You talk about. You ask them to make a sacrificial gift once a year. Is it that rhythm that people have gotten accustomed to and bought into over time, or you also preach it from the from the pulpit? But uh, is that how you feel people have bought into it, have adopted it as part of the culture, as a spirituality?
2: Uh, yeah, I yeah. think that you know we're again we were talking about. This Week is ministry weekend, And yep. you know, getting out of the pews and serving mm-hmm. uh, the young church in our community mm-hmm. um, on the weekends. Here, we talked about tithing and mm-hmm. um, uh, giving to this local parish. All of these are just what that each of those are just one example of discipleship that we're trying to get people on. We're trying to get people onto a discipleship path. And so, at Nativity, we talk about steps S T E P S. So, S the first S being serving in ministry here locally at our campus, but also uh, globally, nationally and globally in our missions programs. Uh, T obviously stands for tithing, E is for engage, so we have a pretty robust small group program here, and uh, we believe that small groups are a big key to uh, to why we've been so successful in the last several years. Uh, getting into a group of people uh, in your similar situation, whether it be men's groups, women's groups, I'm right now. I'm in a families with young children group, and it's a huge group because we have we everybody has a lot of kids. But you know, mm-hmm. it's getting people in the same stage of life as you. So mm-hmm. engaging in a small group. Uh, the P stands for practicing prayer and sacraments, and the second S at the end is for sharing your faith. All of these are very simple steps, um, and we keep. Reiterating that this is what we want you to do. This is what being a disciple is. We want to get you on the discipleship path. And so, tithing is just one
0: aspect of that. How about just the uh, the overall operation? How that it obviously has grown over the last fifteen years, and how do you uh, manage that? You know, there's uh, you brought new ministries on board, new groups on board, but what's the key to to making it all? You 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 balancing a lot. and, uh, the more you balance the more you have to manage so how do you how do you do that how do you strike a balance? Uh, I think we have some more to
1: work on there mm. for sure I think we're a scrappy startup <laughs> and scrappy startups aren't very well organized or they're not very neat uh, they're kind of you know scrappy <laughs> um, for one thing uh, we don't have enough office space for our staff uh, we're on top of one another and it's kind of a mess when you walk through our, our offices, just because our staff has grown so so quickly in so short a time. Um, the same way with like our use of the building, it's just one of the reasons that we're building is because we don't have enough space, and um, the building that we're currently in is is dysfunctional for what we're doing now. So we we really struggle with that on on the on the weekend. Um, I don't know, do you have more to say about that?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's i I know that looking from our operational growth um, from an income standpoint you know we've doubled our offertory in five years tripled our offertory in ten years and so with that comes with much a larger parish comes the need for more staff and so um, hiring staff uh, you know staff is obviously the probably the largest uh, the largest outlay in any church budget it's no different here um, the the rate in which we've grown, you know, we're still trying to catch up with that growth in some ways. And so definitely an area of mm-hmm. growth, you know, adding layers of management and putting processes in place mm-hmm. uh, is, is an avenue in which we're still headed down. Mm-hmm. We haven't <laughs> we're haven't. we still figuring it out. <laughs>
1: trying to figure out how to organize ourselves as a staff, because you can hire all new staff, but then internally, how does that, how does that work? And we don't have very long-standing systems in, in, in place to rely upon for that. We're making it up as we go along. We're also, as a staff, fairly large for a Catholic church. Um, given the size of our congregation, we are not a very large staff when you compare us to an evangelical church. But for a Catholic church, we are. And how does that look in, in the Catholic world if you're going to have like departments and, and department heads and tiers of
0: leadership? Are there Are other models that you look at?
2: Uh, so it's partially, we always look to other parishes. Sure. Uh, you know, you, you look up to parishes that are a little larger than you and see how they're structured. But um, I wouldn't say that we model ourselves after one specific. Mm-hmm. I say that. Um,
0: so. it sounds like you've taken the best of not only the Catholic world but the interdenominational and just congregational world. One of the
1: things that we clearly like doing as, as, as staff, or many of us on staff like doing, is just studying uh, our evangelical friends, some of the largest churches in the country, and continuing to consider the question, how does this apply to us? We know that there are transferable principles there.
0: Uh, What what are they? That's great. If um, you were talking to another pastor who was in your same situation, but at the beginning of the journey, what would be your best advice to them?
1: Well, I, I would say, you know, have courage, don't lose heart. Uh, it's not you, um, it's a systems problem. We're just in the middle of a recalibration of how parishes are organized and how they run and how they grow. And I think at this point, most pastors and parishes, certainly most bishops, recognize that, know that, and are actively engaged in working on that. Um, but uh, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to take a look around at what's working elsewhere and adapt, adapt, adapt.
2: I would just pile right on with what yeah. <laughs> he said. You know, we're always looking. I I was looking today at just churches that are well, they've they're a little bit further down the path than we are. Mm-hmm. In some cases, a lot of it further. But we're always looking to how we can adapt principles from other parishes and other uh, churches. Into our own setting, you know, uh, Father White likes to say that we we know what works here in Timonium, Maryland, uh, but we don't know what works other places. And, and the same thing when you're looking at parishes that are larger than us, what works for them may not work for us. But there are transferable principles mm-hmm. at play, and, and you know, getting those processes and systems in place is, is just where we keep slugging it out. <laughs> we keep driving.
0: I heard you had a maybe a conference here, was it a couple of years ago, where you invited others to share some best practices. Well, is that one of the forms, maybe, that you look at? Or is that how you're sharing your story?
1: Yeah, definitely. For two, uh, two years in a row, we offered a conference uh, for other uh, churches, mostly Catholic churches, although some Protestants also attended. Um, and we didn't do it this year because our building is under construction and we simply don't have the space. And we're not going to be able to do it. We weren't able to do it in 2016. We're not going to be able to do it in 2017. But in spring of 2018, do we have a date for that? I think it's at the end of April. The end of April in 2018. We're going to offer the conference again. It's going to be called the Rebuilt Conference. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be great. We're, we're We're all about helping other churches.
0: We really have a heart for that. Tell me a little about, uh, so you wrote the book and other books now have come, you know, since then. How has that ministry, that ministry of reaching out to other parishes and telling your story, how has that evolved? It must be an exciting to be a part of that.
1: It is exciting to be a part of it, and it, it's especially gratifying. When uh, Tomorrow we're going to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, last week we were in Atlanta. So there's a, a lot of opportunity to share the, our message with other parishes and when you hear feedback about how it's working and and how gratifying that that is for for pastors um we're very we feel very close
0: for the final part of this episode i take you back to my experience of mass at church of the nativity that weekend of ministry sunday when father michael read this beautiful letter he received from a couple who had just joined the parish.
1: This is a a letter we received a while back, and we love to share it. Dear Nativity, I just want to thank everybody at church for being so welcoming and friendly to our family. For us, the barrier that Nativity has removed is the frustration we've experienced with having our three children attend Mass with us. We had taken many months off from attending any church because we'd become so frustrated, continually trying to keep our children quiet or occupied while getting nothing out of it at all except irritated with one another. Someone recommended Nativity, so we gave it a try. On our first visit, a very friendly person led us around and showed us where we could take our children and what programs were available for them. She was welcoming and helpful. Our kids were so comfortable and excited with the experience, they insisted we come back the next Sunday. Every time that we've entered or left the church, someone smiled and greeted us, and that meant so much. The parking volunteers were helpful, dedicated, and friendly. The hospitality and service, the fellowship, the organization have convinced us that Christ's presence is active in this church. Thanks to Nativity, my wife and I can now sit as a couple for an hour, worship, sing, and renew our spirits just enough to make it through another crazy week. We look forward to every Sunday, and we plan to start getting involved, which I've come to believe is the only way to keep our faith alive. It doesn't make sense that God seeks our help, or that he could even use it. It doesn't make sense that he wants our help, but he does. That's why we want you to become a member minister. Make a difference in somebody else's life. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. Help us roll back the stone and create a church that people who don't even like church absolutely
0: love. A very special thank you to Father Michael White and Brandon Hollern for sharing their time and energy and the story of Nativity Parish with us. You can find out more information about Nativity Parish at RebuiltParish.com. Thanks again for joining us for the second episode of Advancing Our Church. For more information about our show, you can visit our website at AdvancingOurChurch.com, follow us on Twitter at Advanced Podcast, or join our Facebook group. How can you support our show? Well, you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes that helps get us to the top of the search, or you can support this show financially by making a contribution on our Patreon page. All this information is on our website. Again, thank you all for joining us. Have a great week, everybody, and God bless.